All right, there we are. All right. Uh, I wish I could say this was all my fault, but it's not. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 308, your once-week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, sometimes some Star Trek. All Super Chats are read on the air so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel, but an even better way to help support the channel is head on over to craftcomputing.store, pick yourself up a pint glass, a coaster, a bottle opener, all the merch that we have over there, and start drinking like a pro. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super secret chat or the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to my Discord server, where you can talk with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. And before you say anything, Rhett, someone already mentioned that you were silent, so there we go. You should be good to go now. Hey, well, now we're talking. Welcome to the Rhett Show. Uh, hold on, let me mute it's that again. It's a good thing, too. <laughs> it's a good thing, too. They missed all of the horrible, awful things that I said. Can't cancel me, baby! <laughs> uh, I've actually got AI working on yours, so whenever it detects one of your standard racist rants, it will just, <laughs> it'll just silence it, you it, right off. It's funny because, yeah, the lead-up is just predictable enough that it just shuts it down. Yeah. Rest starts out by going, you know, I'm not racist, but... <laughs> <laughs> Here's that sentence, and it just mutes for five minutes. You know, the thing about Israel... <laughs> now, the real trick is implementing this at Thanksgiving dinner. If only. <laughs> if only. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a good show. Uh, we've got some Ryzen 8000 mobile leaks, if you can even call it that. This is less of a Ryzen leak and more of an upcoming product leak that I'm actually moderately excited for. Uh, the SEC has finally started looking into uh, SolarWinds and their gross mishandling of passwords and backdoor authentication. Uh, remember the whole SolarWinds 123 is an admin password on basically every exposed device? Yeah, that's pound amount to fraud, as has been levied in charges against SolarWinds and their former S uh, CIO. Uh, the FCC wants to know, why are data caps still a thing, you monsters? Uh, <laughs> and we've got some gaming news, which I can't wait to get to, but that's not till the end of the show. Anyway... Uh, let's go ahead and start this show outright. Uh, Rhett, what do you got tonight? Okay, well, I'm, uh, I'm doing some blasphemy for craft computing. And, um, I'm actually going to crack a non-alcoholic beverage. A couple of weeks ago, so nothing, nothing wrong with rephrase. that. Let, let me rephrase. It's not a non-alcoholic beverage. It's just a regular beverage. <laughs> That's non -alcoholic fine, makes too. It sound like I found some sort of craft beer or something. Right. Um, I have here red sparkling ice. <laughs> and I'm going to pour it into this authentic vintage Blazers mug from Dairy Queen featuring Buck Williams. You know, 
previous forward for the Trailblazers. That's right. Uh, you know what's funny? Uh, John has a couple of those glasses. You've got a couple of those glasses. My brother-in-law, uh, who's not even really a Blazer fan, like doesn't watch basketball, doesn't like it, has the entire set. <laughs> He, he was mentioned, not hard to come by these days. They're not. Uh, and speaking of, uh, for some reason, one of the blazer glasses came up in a previous segment. I think it was probably you pouring into a blazer glass. I went, you know what? I've always wanted a set. I th- I think I had a, a Clyde the Glide way back in the day. Like I, I had a Clyde Drexler glass, but that's the only one I ever had. I got on eBay and I found a full set of nine. So <laughs> nice. they're out in my garage. They're in a box. Uh, I own yeah. them now. <laughs> So I'm going to have to start digging those out. I'm going to have to start cycling through those on on uh, on some Talking Heads episodes. I used to be so precious about them. Mm-hmm. And then I just gave up. I started using them constantly. I throw them in the dishwasher every time I use them. They are this s- is going on like 20 years of, of straight use. They are some of the not best stuff. made glasses, especially for like what was like I think there were like four ninety nine with the purchase of of a of a of a meal or something like that is how you got them uh, way back right. in the day. So, you know, I mean, five bucks in nineteen ninety two was still quite a bit of money. Uh, it's like twenty dollars in today's money. <laughs> it's at least sixteen dollars in today's money. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, Every, I've never really ever seen one that's scuffed or scratched or the no, the, the they're all awesome. They're all in great shape today, and I don't understand it. It's probably all the, the lead queen, paint. The queen, the queen. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> that's probably what it is. The queen was like, "This is going to be my lasting legacy. Uh, right. I cannot have it be tarnished with the McFlurry machine being constantly broken." This is like you know. You know, because don't they have a thing that the the monarchy does in the UK? Like, didn't the new king get in? And he's like, "This is the thing I'm doing now." Probably. The, I mean, I mean, what politician well, the, slash whatever doesn't have an agenda man. for? Well, the Dairy Queen's agenda was making sure these cups would never see a landfill. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, seems like the recent agenda is just how can I hate women and minorities more. <laughs> sorry yeah. am i wearing my politics on my sleeve i apologize not really uh all right i'm speaking you know what i have to say about israel mm. yeah <laughs> well let me mute red again <laughs> but you said it was ai jeff uh <laughs> there's nothing artificial or intelligent about your censoring <laughs> system tonight <laughs> Uh, oh, I've got a couple good beers for tonight since uh, Rhett is uh, dropping the ball on his side of things. Uh, so starting with some Crux Fermentation Project out of Portland, or sorry, out of Bend. I always think Crux is out of Bend for some reason, they're, or out of Portland. They're not one of the Portland ones. They're one of the Bend ones. Um, so this is one of their fresh hops. This is the Pertnir Centennial Fresh Hop IPA. Uh, seven point, no, 6.9%. Nice. 
Uh, we love brewing with fresh hops, so in anticipation of those first bright green beauties coming off the vine, we got a head start and brewed this IPA featuring the classic Centennial Hop. Nicknamed the Super Cascade, the Pacific Northwest original boasts vibrant citrus flavors with a whiff of soft pine. It's pert near the first uh, fresh hop beer you'll enjoy this season while waiting for us to brew up a few more. Uh, no, this is one of the last fresh hops I'm going to enjoy this season because I didn't see them on store shelves until like last week. So, all right. So, Pertnier Centennial Fresh Hop from Crux, of course, in the craft uh, computing nucleated pint glass. Let's see, who else has a beverage out there in chat land? Jason's chiming in. I've got a tropical beer hug from Goose Island, 9.9%. Uh, Williams got a Badger Hill Brewing Badger Snack Peanut Butter Stout, 6.3%. That's a fantastic beer for a Halloween. Uh, let's see. Rev says uh, he he almost got an orange sparkling ice earlier. He went for the Pepsi instead. So you're in you're in good company, or at least uh, say? same headspace tonight as Rev, one of our fantastic mods, even in Rev. Me uh, and Rev are just always in sync. You really are. It's uh, often Finity just poured a chocolate lava cake stout, eight percent. Smells and tastes exactly as the name implies. The googly is drinking some Fireball. Novella Hub says better quality than the new GN glasses. Uh, I'm not going to throw stones. That's up for every man to decide for themselves. But tell you what, buy one of each. Buy two of each and and uh, and let me know because I'd love to hear your feedback on what do you think of my pint glasses and how do they stack up against everyone else's. Um, I don't view anything that I do as competitive with any other anyone else, but it's nice to know if my stuff is still good. So let me know. Oh, you can also get Hops and Brews merch, too. Who's that? Uh, some some Playboy wannabe bunny. Mm. All right. Novella's drinking a Pivotal Brewing Company. Hello, my name is Pivotal Double Dry Hopped IPA. 8.5%. Uh, 4.0 on untapped. Uh, and let's see, John Jay has got a Center of Attention Mega by Modest Man Brewing, LLC. It's an IPA, Imperial Double New England Hazy, uh, rating of 4.3 out of 5. That's impressive. That is very impressive. We do have a super chat. We do. Uh, Michael chimes in with five Aussie bucks. Good day. Oh wait, no, that's that's Cran. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> thank you for chiming in. Uh, shout out to Yocto for being the supplier of equipment for YouTubers and being a bad influence for poor purchasing choices. Yes. <laughs> uh, everything from cat ear headphones to RTX A five thousands. Brought to you by Yocto. So thank you, Yocto. <laughs> Oh, wow. Ooh. That one is super bright. Tasty, huh? 
Karen says he's sipping water from a craft computing pint glass and then says, craft computing, how could you for saying good day to another Aussie? I'm sorry. I didn't know we were exclusive. That's my bad. <laughs> but good day to you, too, Karen. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into the news. Uh, starting off, Minis Forum. Uh, kind of leaked themselves, but also leaked uh, some upcoming product news. Uh, because their upcoming 14-inch 3-in-1 tablet that looks very much like a Microsoft Surface Pro uh, is also featuring Ryzen 8000 uh, mobile chipsets, which haven't even been talked about or announced yet. Uh, <laughs> so obviously we knew Ryzen 8000 was likely coming, uh, at least with an announcement around the end of the year. Uh, seems like rather good timing, seeing as 7000 was announced about CES last year, so maybe something similar coming up this year. Uh, but no, Minis Forum just went, ah, screw it. Yeah, it's going to use Ryzen 8000. The, the latest and greatest is going into our new tablet. Uh, so, the Ryzen 8000 news aside, well, I mean, we can talk about that a little bit. Uh, this is apparently going to use the standard uh, Ryzen 8000 APU, uh, so whatever the 12 compute unit variant of whatever they're going to call the 8000, maybe the, the 880M or whatever. Uh, but uh, no official specs have been given. Uh, they do say it is going to be using that rather than a custom Z1 gaming version, which I think I've been on record before as saying the uh, the ROG Ally, it's all marketing. Like it's it's two to three percent fat. It's a slightly better binned 780M. It's a it's a 48 or 7840U with slightly higher clock speeds, and I mean slightly higher clock speeds. Um, it's a 7840U. Don't fall for the hype. Uh, new CPU is uh, reportedly to range in power from 22 to 28 watts, which is a little bit of a bump up from the 4870U, which actually has a TDP of about 15 watts and can operate upwards of, of 25 and 30. Uh, but seeing that base wattage jump up 7 watts, I'm not quite sure what to make of that, uh, especially as uh, handhelds and tablets and things like that are really trying to stress for, you know, more battery life and, and longevity and things like that, especially with the onslaught of ARM devices from, you know, Apple, Snapdragon, etc. cetera. Uh, power and power per watt are going to be huge in this next release of chips. So kind of curious to see where Ryzen 8000 lands. But... The exciting thing is not necessarily about the Ryzen 8000 CPU. It is about the tablet itself. It is a 14 inch 2.5K. So that's 2560 by 1600, 16 by 10, 165 Hertz display. That is tempting. <laughs> That is very tempting. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of the the Surface Book or, or the the Microsoft Surface form factor. I like a physical hinge that is forward leaning rather than requiring a kickstand because now you've just increased the footprint that my laptop needs to operate, not decreased it. Seems like a step backwards. 
Um, obviously, you get a stylus on this one, and you get what looks like kind of the the suede uh, velvet-ish keyboard that attaches magnetically to the front. Uh, but internal components looking very promising if you are in the market for uh, a tablet here in the next quarter, as it were. You just in your own little world there? <laughs> I, I can still hear your lips smacking. You're not, you're not fooling anyone. Uh, just got two fat lips. With, with the help of these Kimura earbuds. <laughs> you too can hear your friends smacking their gabs from across the room. Yeah. Across the county in this case. <laughs> Kren sends over a couple Aussie bucks. Love you, mate. Good day, Kren. <laughs> uh, William says, looking at the specs, it has 6,400 megahertz of storage. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm blaming uh, video cards for that misprint. I, I did notice that one earlier as well. Uh, I'm assuming that's uh, DDR5 memory speed. Um, but two uh, Thunderbolt 4 ports, USB 4.0 ports. Um, one type C, uh, I'll, I'm not sure what this is supposed to mean. Type C DP in only display port. Oh, interesting. Display port in is this? Yeah. Oh, is like a second monitor maybe. Right. Is, or is this supposed to be power in only? Right. DC. But, yeah. But they wrote DP in only, but given the typos and whatnot on the screen, who knows? They just came right off of the worst websites before typing in DP. Yeah. Can I, can I blow everyone's mind with an observation when it comes to tablets? Something I am so sick of hearing, and or rather seeing. Why do tablets have a rear camera, number one? Why uh -huh. is it that a tablet meant to be used as a laptop, primarily as a laptop, has a five megapixel rear camera and only a two megapixel front camera? Could we just eliminate the rear camera, flip it around, point it at you, and get a dynamite zoom camera on one of these instead of the hyper-compressed front cameras that every single device known to man has ever used? Is there anything stopping any manufacturer of phone, tablet, laptop, desktop, computer, whatever, from putting the good camera facing you, anything at all. Why not just have both be good? Why not have just both be good? But why is it, why is it when there's two cameras? I understand why both can't be good, and it's usually a bandwidth limitation or a pinout configuration of which camera gets the most bandwidth allocation or the most lanes of connectivity or whatever have you. Um, but, yeah. Uh, if I had to choose, give me a good camera. I, I'm i not holding up my laptop and filming my kid's basketball game or recital with it. And if I am, I'm a douche, and that needs to stop now. But number two, uh, I'd much rather have a good a camera pointing at me. Thing. I think I think it's more of a business decision uh, because I see people all the time who go to work and they have they get these work 
issue iPads or tablets or, you know, Surface Pros. And they got to take pictures as part of their job, but they're not given a phone or a phone and a laptop. They're given this like Surface Pro. And so they got to sit there with their Surface Pro and take pictures with like everything that they need. And I get that. And that's who they're aiming it at because the because the government will buy 5,000 Surface Pros before it buys a bunch of ThinkPads and iPhones. I, I totally get that. But this is Mini's forum. This isn't Microsoft. This isn't a government contractor. This isn't, you, yeah. know, so, you know, Microsoft with their heads stuck in the corporate world. Uh, yeah. Why not give us a better front-facing camera? Yeah, my only guess on that front would be that because of the way that the market works, they lack any and all imagination, and they just chase market trends. They can't, But they probably can't go to their shareholders and say, look at this. We have this idea of putting a good camera on front because this is this is what our user base is going to want. After all, we're minis for them, guys. They're going to be like, well, Apple doesn't do that. Microsoft doesn't do that. Okay, yeah. but get but listen, we're the engineers. We know what our user base wants. Well, but all the competitors do this. They obviously spent more money on market research than us, so they know what they're talking about. It's like, well, yeah, I, I don't know. It's I'm not defending their decision to do it. I just think that the market lacks any sort of imagination, especially in the level of like a company like Minis Form, which they're not like nobody, you know, but uh, they're not nobody. The and, and they've done some pretty impressive things as far as innovation goes. I mean, uh, I mean, you saw a couple of their, their mini desktops, especially the PCI expansion one that you have, yeah, yeah. like the 5700G desktop APU, you slot into a PCI Express slot that gives you an X16 hanging off the side of it. Yeah. Like they're not without imagination. And it seems like this would be one of the stupidest, simplest things to do to give your product an edge when it comes to yeah. how the majority of people are using their devices. The majority yeah. of people with laptops aren't holding them up and filming things with them. They're sitting down and they're doing Zoom meetings. Yeah. <laughs> Why is the good camera <laughs> facing away from me? I've never... I'm waiting for the next wave of filmmakers to break into Hollywood with this Minis Forum tablet. <laughs> Apple has tried to push the narrative of, uh, you know, our iPads are just as good as Cinecams before. They've, they've done this multiple times in Apple presentations, of uh, especially after Apple got ProRes recording inside their... It's the same codec used by Hollywood professionals. Yes... But there's a reason the lens could buy you 80 iPads. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Silly. I don't know. You know, I feel like tablets are one of those weird market niches, too, where I think if you have the regular need for one and you use one in your regular workflow, it's like, you love it. You need it. You can't imagine anything else taking its place, but like a lot of people don't need it or they don't know that they need it or they use it wrong. And then they end up not liking it. Like I've met 5,000 government contractors with surface pros and they all hate it, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but then you get a bunch of animators or artists, you know, using their $10 version of Procreate on their secondhand iPad and they're happier as, clam as clams, you know, it's like, uh, yep. so it works for those people, it works for that crowd, but then other people you can't quite 
crack the code. Yeah. Constant hardware decisions like this uh, just drive me nuts. Of it's like no research at all has gone into how people actually will utilize a device, uh, or or someone higher up in the company went, well, there's just no room on the front of the device because we'd have to put a bezel on it, and that would look terrible. It's like, okay, I think I would get over the visual <laughs> blemish of having, you know, a half-inch bezel instead of a, you know, a quarter-inch bezel at the top of my device if you put a camera that was worth a damn facing me. You could put a whole, like, one-inch bar at the top, and as long as I had a good camera facing me, I would use that device. Somebody's got to create a selfie device. It's like slides over your phone, shunk, and it's like a series of mirrors that just points your good camera right at you through the front, like a little periscope. <laughs> just a <laughs> free. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm going to take a selfie, and you shunk, and you got your phone, and it's... <laughs> This is a million dollar idea. That really is. Uh, <laughs> I was already drafting up plans for my 3D printer. Get it at craftcomputing.store, folks. The rear camera selfie adapter. It's such a good idea. Somebody's already had to have made it, right? Like You would think. You would think. But then why haven't we heard about it? I, I gotta know. Yeah. No, I hate aesthetics holding back. <laughs> they do got one. Yeah. It clips onto your phone and it's literally just like a clip on rear view mirror for your, <laughs> that's not as cool as I was thinking. No. I was thinking like a literal periscope device that attaches to it. It's completely encased. Yeah. <laughs> this is just like, here's your rear view mirror strap it to your phone and so it just bounces back <laughs> i don't know i guess that does the trick though huh yep anyway it's so weird <laughs> like like i i get that cameras do take up more space in devices but it seems to me if you eliminated the rear camera from a tablet you could insert it into the front camera on the same device. Uh, I don't need a wide and a telly on the same. And you know what? If if I've got a 20 megapixel camera sensor here anyway, that means I can probably digitally crop a little bit. And so there wouldn't be any use for a wide and a telly. You just need a, a standard, you know, camera with a good, with a decent enough mid-range lens on it that... You could use AI. Oh, here you go. Here's here's an AI boost to you to, you know, kind of like my my camera up here, where it would automatically track your face uh, as you moved around the scene. Hold on, hold on. There we go. Yeah, like <laughs> you could totally do this with with software and a, and a camera with no actual moving parts. So why aren't we? Mm, I like. Uh... Liam in Wales here says, think big, put a screen on the back. <laughs> a double screen phone. Now we're talking. Or maybe one's just a camera monitor. 
con to no, continue. You got to do your calls to continue reading this article. Please turn over your phone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's more on the back. Yeah. Sorry. More on side B. <laughs> It's like, can you sign this? Oh, don't forget the backside. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, uh, who said the the Microsoft Surface Duo was a bad phone? Oh wait, everyone. Ah. Uh, you know what is a good idea? Speaking of these Kimura in ear monitors that have been absolutely wonderful. Today's episode of Talking Heads is brought to you by Antlion Audio and their full lineup of audio gear and accessories. I've personally never been a fan of gaming headsets, especially ones with cat ears, as I much prefer studio cans without all the RGB bells and whistles. The Antlion Mod Mic is a high-quality microphone that can attach to any of your favorite headphones, turning them into the ultimate combo for gaming or content creation. The Mod Mic Wireless also ditches the cord, transmitting over aptX, allowing for latency that is five times faster than Bluetooth. Regular viewers will also know that during live streams, I skip the cans and go for in-ear monitors, meaning Antlion's all-new Kimura IEMs are a combo rivaled only by whoever poured the first stout into a bourbon barrel. Available in either single or dual driver models, the handcrafted resin in-ear monitors deliver audiophile-approved quality with a flexible microphone that wraps around and behind your ear so it stays securely in place. Check out the full lineup of gear from Antlion Audio by following the links down in the video description. And again, a huge thanks to Antlion for sponsoring today's episode. There's no denying with Antlion. How late were you up thinking of that one last night? I already came up with it, Jeff. You heard it the first time we ran the ad, and you're going to hear it the next time we run the ad, too. Probably. <laughs> Actually, I think this is four out of four, although uh, he emailed me today asking uh, possible renewal. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see if, it, if Antline continues. If everybody rushes to the Antline store now using promo code Craft Computing. Nope. Link in the description. Link in the yep. description. And, God bless. And, and they're all direct Amazon links. They didn't even want me linking to their page. They just said, no, just go buy it. Just just go buy it. Go buy it. I, I and... will say the uh, the Kimura Duos, the, the dual driver ones, these are my new daily drivers. Uh, I, I've been rocking the single earphone uh, uh, with a dual driver in it just for talking heads. Um, mm -hmm. I actually just bought a set of cables to to keep these separate from all this. Uh, this cable I'm I'm modifying so I can have only the single earbud, and uh, I'm gonna snip the other one off because I only wear one earbud during the show, uh, <laughs> and uh, and the solo will be my new Talking Heads standard. But I want I want the duos to uh, to have their own headset as well, so. I've been very, very impressed with, with the quality of the, the monitors. So, yeah. Link in the description. Go buy a set. All right. Uh, Rhett, do you remember... This has been a while. This has been December 2020. Uh, mm -hmm. That's... Uh, I know, like seven years ago, <laughs> that uh, we talked about solar winds and the massive, nearly too long 
uh, two-year-long cyber attack uh, dubbed Sunburst, uh, in which it was determined that uh, SolarWinds grossly overstated the security they were providing clients, specifically because the default admin password available on pretty much every device and exposed uh, network port from a SolarWinds company uh, or SolarWinds client was admin and SolarWinds123. Uh, which, by the way, I've begun using that password in tutorial videos here on the channel. So whenever you see me type type in a password, it's usually SolarWinds123. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, back in 2020, this whole thing blew wide open. Um, uh, well, it seems to be coming full circle now as the SEC has gotten involved. And in fact, the SEC themselves have levied charges against both SolarWind and the Chief Information Officer, uh, Chief Information Security Officer, excuse me, a CISO, uh, with fraud and internal control failures. Uh, I've gone ahead and linked the entire document here. Uh, but what does it mean internal control failures and what is why are they being charged with fraud as well? It's because, number one, their internal security practices were god-awful by every standard of any IT professional you've ever met in your life. Um, you don't leave things exposed. You certainly don't use a shared root-level password on every device that you control. Uh, yeah, just horrible from a company that was literally charged with securing your endpoints uh, and keeping track of servers and hypervisors and being, you know, alert and notification controls and things like that. Like they had the keys to everyone's kingdom and they royally effed it up. Uh, but the, the really the thing that sums all this up is during this whole period, SolarWinds allegedly misled investors by disclosing only generic and hypothetical risks at a time when the company and Brown, uh, the CISO, uh, knew of specific deficiencies in SolarWinds cybersecurity practices, as well as the increasingly elevated risks of the company or that the company faced at the same time. That means that they were disclosing some vulnerabilities uh, as it pertains to uh, the, their internal software, their internal, uh, you know, monitoring systems. They were not disclosing potential vulnerabilities when it came to their own security practices, which were laughably bad. Uh, and when you mislead investors, that's panamount to fraud. Uh, as the complaint alleges, according to the SEC filing, uh, SolarWinds public statements about its cybersecurity practices and risks were at odds with its internal assessment, including a 2018 presentation prepared by a company engineer and shared internally, including with Brown, that SolarWinds remote access setup was, quote, not very secure. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Yeah, if ever there was a smoking gun. Uh, so I, I've i worked. It sounds like there might be some new jobs opening up pretty soon if anybody's looking. <laughs> uh, fortunately, it seems like they already found the guy to fall on the sword. Um, <laughs> but uh, man, 
Look, I, I've worked with a number of different clients before that have had some pretty pretty poor security practices. Simply, uh, basically, their their security was through obscurity. They they thought they were too small. Yeah. They they thought they couldn't be attacked or wouldn't be attacked. They thought it wasn't worth being attacked. Um, and even if they attack us, what are we going to lose? Well, as it turns out, um, thousands upon thousands of personally identifiable information documents, uh, you know, like things like that, um, you know, were too small to be attacked, although you have a multi-million dollar budget. Uh, you're a publicly traded company. You're, you're a public institution. You're this, you're that. Uh, if, if there's even more than like $10,000 going through your bank account, you could be attacked and spearfished and and that informa that information can be used against you and pulled out of you um even at some of my smaller organizations we started seeing some pretty sophisticated spearfishing attacks uh in 2017 through 2020 when i was still working in this industry uh where you know 20 and 30 person organizations like top to bottom companies uh were being spearfished because uh, a company owner would publish on Twitter that they're at this event in Texas on this day and these spearfishing uh, bad actors would use that opportunity to send a fabricated email to the head of HR or to bookkeeping or accounts receivable or payable and uh, pretend, basically infiltrate the CEO and say, hey, I know this is short notice. I know it's Friday at three o'clock and I'm supposed to be enjoying my time, but I completely forgot about this compliance report. Can you please send me uh, a list of all of our employee social security numbers, their last five years of, of, uh, uh, of earnings, any tax information that you might have on them? Like this should be a pretty easy document for you to throw together in like a half hour. I know it's late. You know, you know what? Take off early as soon as you're done, because I, I know you're trying to get to your weekend too. Anyway, I gotta go. I, I I'm needed up on stage in in just a couple minutes for my presentation. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll see you when I get back on Monday. That person never sent that email. <laughs> I I've received dozens of those from smaller organizations. Uh, you know, asking is this legit? Is this real? Um. This absolutely does happen today. This And it's gotten even more complex in the three to four years since then. Um, you are not too small to be spearfished. You are not too small to be an attack vector. Uh, and, you know, the bad actors are finding out the smaller the fish, the easier it might be to actually get them to cut a bad check because they have bad security, bad oversight, bad checks and balances within their own organization. So you might very well be able to, you know, have someone write you a $40,000 check on a Friday afternoon without checking with the CEO. I mean, if, and plus if you think about it, if you think about it too, from another perspective, if just average Joe Smo's information is good enough to target to go and and open a bad line of credit or write a bad check, then why wouldn't any company be a good enough target? If an old lady is good enough to target, why is your company not good enough to target? I right. Mean, they go after everybody. You're no exception just because you have a business that you think is small or obscure. That old lady is small and obscure. Mm -hmm. 
the next time you think your business is small and obscure and not worth attacking, um, that's great because I've been trying to get in touch with you for your car's extended warranty. <laughs> I've been trying to call him back, but yep. This this is Apple. <laughs> Did you authorize a purchase of four hundred and thirty eight dollars yesterday at, at one p.m.? If 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 you don't respond now, we're gonna let the charge go through. That's not how business works. That's not how credit cards work. Um, but my uh, favorite thing is my favorite thing is that uh, because you can actually collect a bounty for uh, identifying uh, a lot of these scammers. Mm -hmm. If you can get any amount of information that can lead to action on them, you can collect like a $5,000 bounty or something like that. Yeah. I've never been able to collect it, obviously, but I love turning it around and talking to them and trying like, well, hey, can I get a callback number for you? How about an email address? You have yeah. an address that maybe I can mail it to? Like, <laughs> yeah. What, what's your name? Where, where are you located at? <laughs> Just like it's funny because some of some of the times they'll go with it for a little bit until, uh, you know, they'll answer like three or four questions and then they'll just hang up when they realize. <laughs> yeah, that you're trying to get information from them. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's funny. So no, 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 man. I'd love to help you out. I'd love to help you out, but I'm right in the middle of something right now. Can I just get a callback number for you? Mm -hmm. Every time I call these numbers back, it just takes me to some automated thing. What's your desk phone? What's your cell phone? <laughs> yeah. Uh, lot, lot of luggage comments going on right now. <laughs> it's amazing. I use the same combination on my luggage. Um, by the way, I introduced my daughter to Spaceballs just uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, what camera was that, Rhett? Is that your D and D top down? It was actually. I had a. <laughs> I have a button called Still on this thing, and I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> and I press it. And I can load the the app for this device up with stills. And so that's a, a yeah. crossroads battle map right there. Nice. Yeah, I didn't realize. I was trying to figure out. <laughs> There's so many buttons on this thing, and I don't know what any of them do, except for the big ones that have numbers on them. Yeah. Uh, I got to get better at using this thing. Like, there's even a way to, like, crossfade these. What uh, uh, are 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 you using the uh, the A10 Mini, the Black Magic? Is that what you? Yeah, the A10 getting? Mini Pro. Okay. Yeah. yeah, very nice. I bought the Pro because the Pro has the. So I thought it would allow me to do something it doesn't, but it basically has an HDMI monitor, mm -hmm. um, which when I'm streaming, right now the jank way that I uh, get multi cameras is mm -hmm. by cr cropping and cutting up the HDMI monitor out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, totally works. It it works. It doesn't look awful. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't look the best, but it doesn't look awful either. So, yeah. You know, if I have if I just when you're looking at it, like uh unfortunately I can't bring it up right now. Normally I have it all set up and I could just bring it up, but you know, it's like a screen with like all the different camera outs and all this sort of stuff. And it's like a little studio mode. So you can see what you can, uh, what you're going to before you're changing it. It shows all of the outs at once, but it looks like a studio monitor. You know, it doesn't look like yeah. anything very useful, but if I crop it right, um, then we can kind of use it for our, our streaming. So 
Uh, you'll see. We're taking it. Uh, we've done a, f- a few like test stream like recordings and stuff, but tomorrow's the the true maiden voyage of the live stream. So. Nice. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> we got like a last time we did a recording. It was like a five camera setup. I think I'm gonna bring it down to four cameras. Yeah, and I, go uh, digital for the tabletop. Yeah, I I found for uh, trying to be the the technical director and the on screen talent at the same time. Three cameras is about my limit, and even and even <laughs> yeah. then, it's kind of pushing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it was a lot. Luckily, like I'm not in charge or whatever of running the game. It's a Dungeons and Dragons stream. Yeah, I, I get to just play. But it's funny, like one of the recordings, you can just see me like totally out of focus, just focusing on the stream stuff that was going on. Like realizing, like, oh, I didn't plug that in. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yes. Trying to figure out if it's worth to get up while everybody's playing to like plug things in, move things around, refocus cameras and stuff. Yep. Uh, it's funny. Boom. There's a little crossfade action there. Yeah. Uh, ah. <laughs> yeah. You okay in there? There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Cool. Uh, well, next week we're doing the live show on Wednesday. Uh, I, I think I'm on with... Is it Ops someone next week? I think John. So. Yeah. Cause, yeah, because I was trying to see if John could cover for me this week. That's right. Ended up working out. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you and I will be at PDX Land starting next Thursday. Yes. So, I tune think, in for that. I think... I want to do a little bit of live streaming from PDX land. I kind of want to do a Baldur's Gate 3 play. Dude, I would totally do that. That would be so fun. I love that game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I've, I've only... I played through Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 years and years and years ago. Like, you know, they're they're classic games. Um, but uh, Baldur's Gate 3 came out. I made it through the tutorial section and 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 maybe an hour into the first uh, the first thing that you land on. Um, and I went, I, I need to play this with friends. I, I, I need to sit down and just jam on this for a while. Yeah. So I kind of want to do a, a BG three play. Uh, I don't know if we'll, <laughs> we'll finish it. I don't know how far we'll get, but, uh, yeah, I kind of want to just do, uh, you know, find a couple other players, do like a four player run through of Baldur's Gate three. That'd be great. I'd totally be down for that. Yeah, the game is so charming. It's uh, there's so many different ways to navigate the game, to solve the game, to beat the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually funny because it's actually changed the way that we play Dungeons and Dragons at my table. Uh-huh. Which is one of the fun things about Baldur's Gate is that like sometimes you can clearly see what's going on in a room when you might not otherwise be able to, but, and it allows you to strategize and cheese. You can just cheese the game in a really fun way. And so what we've started doing in our virtual tabletops is not using fog of war. And so we can see when things are happening and we have the meta knowledge and we kind of keep it in check or whatever, but it allows just for a completely different approach changes yeah. the gameplay in a way more fun, laid-back way, keeps the pace brisk. 
so yeah, Baldur's Gate three has been great. It's we should do that. We should do that. We should test some multiplayer before we get to the land, though. Make sure we got it. Uh, yes, um, I. Um... I don't know if they have dedicated servers. I'll need to look that up. If they do, I'll probably run one uh, either at the LAN or I'll pipe it through my house. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, I think it's all local. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so we'll we'll definitely have to see. Because essentially, essentially it's like you could host an instance of your own game and people can just drop in and out, you know? Yeah. So... Uh, Novella Hub says better than Morwen. No, <laughs> yeah, but it's fun. It's like the only game I've been playing lately, and uh, I think I mentioned this before. But it's like I flew to Mexico in in August, and it was like, ah, this plane has outlets, <laughs> you know, because otherwise I could play Baldur's Gate three for like forty minutes on my Steam Deck. Yeah, this has outlets. Played it for six hours while we flew to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And what's weird is like it is not a game I would have ever played with a controller, and now I almost don't know how to play it without a controller, which just makes me really mad. There's a couple of games that have kind of flipped that paradigm for me since Steam Deck <laughs> and and I and Eo and One X Player have kind of become my go tos yeah. around here. Like uh, uh, the only game I've sat down in the last six months and played at my desktop has been Starfield. Because mm. my main desktop has a 13900K and a 4090, and Starfield looks mm, at 4K, yeah. 140 hertz. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there's some, there's a lot of games that I've been playing lately that normally I would go keyboard and mouse with, that I've been all controller. In fact, um, I can't remember the last Bethesda RPG that I played with a keyboard and mouse or that, that I played with a controller because controllers suck for Bethesda RPGs. Um, I've actually started back up a Skyrim playthrough and I've been playing that on my One X player lately. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's great. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's one of those things that's kind of funny because I vastly prefer keyboard and mouse, but mm -hmm. Morrowind controls are so awful on keyboard and mouse. I'll be the first one to say it, so... Uh, I do think that the Xbox refined the Morrowind control scheme, but yeah. Otherwise, after that, you get Oblivion, and Oblivion becomes like the de facto standard for the way that all first-person games like that are played, right? And for good reason. Yep, yep. Uh... Remember how good the music was in Oblivion, though. Oh, I was God, listening yeah. to the soundtracks the other day, and it almost has the best soundtrack. <laughs> like, it's startlingly good. I don't think you're wrong. Like, yeah, Skyrim had some great moments to it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, you you got the High Hrothgar theme and 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 Alduin's theme and things like that. There's some there's some bangers in Skyrim, but but man, the the mood setting uh, the mood. with Oblivion. It's got a whole vibe. It's, it's pretty good. And, you know, Skyrim has a vibe too, but it's kind of, I think it's maybe, maybe it's just like after things like Game of Thrones and all this type of stuff, like the music of Skyrim became a little less like unique in a way. Yeah. I don't know. And there's more of it. So it's like, that's a good thing Game of, for sure. Game of Thrones did also follow a little bit of that Nordic chant uh -huh. kind of, kind of music for, for a lot of its, its, uh, 
soundtrack, uh, which I, I think you're right, almost kind of diminished what Skyrim was doing with theirs right. at the same time. And it became, and and that style of music became really popular with a lot of games and movies and stuff. And yeah. and I think we've had like ten years. We've well, also this... got Thor, which which was you know the their two big movies were hitting at the same time that Skyrim and and Game of Thrones mm. were kind of at their peak. And so a lot of Nordic-inspired themes happening all at the same time. Yeah. And maybe, too, there's just something that's like we've had so much longer with the Skyrim soundtrack without a new one Yeah. than we had Oblivion until we got Skyrim. You know what I mean? It's like the, the time frame between all those games was much less. Right. All right. God, there's like a hair in my mouth. Can't. I just can't even. Here we go. So this beer is a little bit special. Uh, this is from Blackstack Brewing by way of Novella Hub through a large box or two that he sent me filled with some beers from his area. Uh, this is the Mothership Connection Mosaic Triple IPA clocking in at 10%. Only 10 only, t- yeah. Only ten. Yeah. Uh, so there's not a lot of IPAs that can claim that ten percent crown. I mean, there there's Megalodon. There's uh, gosh, even Sierra Nevada Colossus or not Colossus, but uh, Sierra Nevada Maximus hits like nine, nine and a half. Um, once you get ten percent. The head kind of dies. <laughs> it just can't sustain a head, although my glass is really trying here. Um, I wish I could get a better shot of the nucleation happening because you can see all the bubbles just constantly forming in this glass. Uh, oh, good God, that smells like pineapple juice. It looks like pineapple juice. It smells so much just like really good pineapple juice. And that does not disappoint. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Ten <laughs> percent pineapple juice. If you if you were to tell me this was a slightly carbonated ten percent uh, hipacha fortified or wine, t- tapacha, <laughs> um, you know, like a like a pineapple wine or a pineapple mead, I'd totally believe. There you go. Yeah, it's like pineapple juice that's been slightly carbonated. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, Novella says, have you ever had a Belvedere cocktail? Of course I have. Uh, the latest Surly Anniversary Ale is a Belvedere-inspired strong ale aged in Tattersail Bitter Orange Barrels and Henry McKenna Bourbon Barrels. That sounds so good. <laughs> hmm. Does sound good, but does it hold up to sparkling ice? Red flavor? Ooh. I mean, now you're talking. It's only five calories. Yeah. Zero sugar, baby. Uh, in fact, I've made basically uh, a Belvedere here on the channel. It's it's bourbon or rye, Campari, and vermouth. It, it's a Manhattan yeah. with Campari in it. So, and I know I've done a Campari, so. 
So yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not a cocktail that I have all the time, but I do have Campari, I do have Vermouth, I do have Rye. Maybe I'll make a Belvedere after the show. There you join go. Join me in the after party. It only costs you a dollar to join the Patreon and get exclusive access to the Discord server and the super secret after party. Where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and join the awesome community that hangs out over there. That is really good. Mm, it, it looks good. Really, really good. My mouth is watering. See, if there was a, a single day of the week that I needed a beer, it was this one. But I just decided I'm going to hold out till the weekend. So That's okay. Yep. Every once in a while, I got to do a little bit of a reset. Yep. For me, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but what happens to me is is I might only even have a beer. But then it messes with my sleep. Mm-hmm. Like, especially it's like I'm off work. I'm, I've eaten dinner. I put the kiddo to bed. Okay, I'm going to crack my beer. Yep. And then I go to bed and I just don't sleep very well. I toss and turn or whatever, like aches and pains. And I think it's related to the alcohol. I don't think it's necessarily like I'm overdoing it or whatever. I just yeah. think that that's what alcohol does, you know? Yep. Messes with your joints a little bit, different inflammation dilates your blood vessels in different ways and so every once in a while i go ah just take the week off and pick it back up in the weekend (laughs) totally yeah i i go in swings where i'll I'll have a beer every single day and then i'll go in swings where the only beer i have is when i'm filming an episode Uh, Mm um and and even recently i've skipped i've skipped a couple videos where there haven't even been beers in the episodes because it's like i'm tired i don't feel like it I've had, no. uh, you mentioned at the top of the show, you know, like, I'm not having a beer today. I'm having a, a an ice drink. Um, I've had cranberry juice or coffee on the show before. So it's just like. Yeah. I was thinking about making some tea, but uh, I was already kind of running late. I didn't want to wait for the water to boil. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'm going to go full Ian Cutress on you. Why don't you have a kettle? <laughs> I do have a kettle. Why don't you use your kettle? I do. Okay. It just takes a long time for it to boil still. Are, are, do you have like an old-fashioned kettle that you put on the stove? Or do you have like do an you electric mean like, kettle? Do you mean like plug it in by me? Right. Right. I have an electric kettle and an old-fashioned kettle. Okay. okay. Um, I use the electric kettle all the time. I went to Europe and I was like, what the hell is this thing? And it was an electric kettle. And I was like, what? They have these? And they're everywhere. They don't even have... I showed somebody from Europe my regular kettle and they were like, yeah, like my grandpa's got one of those. But right, used to use around the campfire. Them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, okay, so I went online and bought an electric kettle, and I haven't looked back. But yeah, um, no, our, ours the, is constantly going in the morning, uh, either for tea or coffee or both. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you got, you have a nice electric kettle. Mine's like the Bymart brand. <laughs> it's like the cheapest one they had at Bymart. I, I will say I really like mine. Uh, it was uh, it was a gift to my wife a couple years ago um, because uh, she does a lot of different teas, and you don't necessarily want boiling water for tea. In fact, you don't want boiling water for like any hot beverage because you're gonna scald it, and and you know it can mess with the acidity in your coffee, and it can burn your tea, and all kinds of things like that. So. You know, being able to regulate within five degrees where you want it, um, 
a, a lot of a, a lot of the time we'll set ours at 175 or 180 uh, and, and and make beverages there uh and i will say my coffee turns out a lot better when i hold it to 180 yeah i feel like coffee that makes sense tea though i feel like i feel like i've old I only get the true flavor of the tea when it's boiling water. Uh, if you drink a lot of green tea, I know green tea wants more heat. If you drink a lot of black tea, it wants less. It, it, black tea even wants like 165, 170. So, Interesting. Yeah. I drink a lot of black tea. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. I don't know. I wonder if there's something to that. I wonder if there's something with the aroma too, because... I tend to drink a lot of pungent teas, and so maybe it's like the aromatics of it. Maybe you're so wanting much. more. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, right. And so it's like it's like in the lapsing Suchong, I feel like I was I was getting the flavor I wanted with the hot. But that's because it's that that smokiness, you know. So maybe maybe that's something. Maybe it's not so much the tea leaves itself; it's the extras. Yeah, uh, Liam in Wales says tea depends on the kind, seventy to ninety Celsius, and yeah, that's that's that one sixty five to two hundred uh, in mm. in American metric. Uh, <laughs> so interesting. Dynamic production says as a Brit, tea uh, tea water boiling is best. Um, see, I, I disagree. I want it just shy of boiling usually. Uh, <laughs> so I I make a lot of black teas, and so usually for black tea, I set it between 170 and 180. And in fact, it's about where I brew my coffee as well. Um, yeah, coffee that feels good. That feels really good. Yeah, I, I, maybe I'll have to give it a go because my, my electric kettle just goes to boiling and then it shuts off. Yeah. So I always just wait for it to boil. Yeah. Um, hmm. Taste test. Gonna do the Pepsi challenge. I think this is a craft extra video brewing. <laughs> I mean, it very well could be. Uh, Kren says he boils with Yorkshire tea uh, and no issues with the flavor. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I had a but... I had a spiffing Brit joke and and it it, it, it like left me at the last second. But here's the thing with Krent, right? He's saying that he goes 100C, but depending on where he's at, that's not necessarily boiling. It's boiling. It's not boiling in Denver. Krent, correct me if I'm wrong, and most people will say this. If you say 100C, you mean I'm seeing bubbles. You mean I'm boiling the water. If you live in Denver, Colorado, 100C ain't boiling crap. Uh, actually, it's the other way around. Uh, Dang it, you're right. I'm so stupid. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if, if you're if you're at mile high, water starts boiling at like two o four. Yeah, okay, fine, okay, but it screws up your pasta. That's what I was. It totally to does. You need longer cook times. That's right. <laughs> Dang it all! I'm so stupid. Lower pressure equals lower boiling point. Yeah, I was science. To think and I just was thinking of the of the spaghetti. Yep. Which I don't know why I was thinking about spaghetti, but here we are. Fine. If you're in Death Valley, 100C is not boiling your water. <laughs> yeah, because 100C boils water at sea level. Yeah. Which is basically where we're at, so. Yeah, yeah. See? It does screw your pasta in Colorado. Maybe it's just col maybe it's just Colorado and pasta sucks. <laughs> could very well be. They're just like it's the wa it's the boiling temperature. We swear, guys. It's just no, no, no. We just us. prefer it al dente. 
<laughs> Oops. Trying to show that comment. There we go. <laughs> uh, Kren says, digital <sighs> kettle says 100C. I suppose I could get a, submerse, a submergible temp sensor out, but yeah, aggressive bubbling. See? People associate 100C 212F with it's boiling, and it's boiling rapidly. It's all right, Kren. I was trying to be smart with elevations and stuff. It was a stupid, stupid attempt. You don't need to get out your submergible temp sensor. I think we do now. I think we need to throw some science at this thing and really humiliate Rhett. <laughs> you don't need science to humiliate me, guys. <laughs> this is I this do that on a, my own. <laughs> this isn't a scientific in, uh, endeavor here. All right, guys, let's get out our protractors and our pocket squares and let's humiliate and, Rhett, and our engineer and our thermistors. And, <laughs> you know, I watched the movie uh, last night or no, the night before called The Menu. Have you seen this one? Uh-uh. It's a new one. It's got Anya Taylor Joy. And anyway, if anybody hasn't seen it, I, just the talking about humiliating me made me think about this because. There's a scene where they humiliate one of the characters in a very cringe-inducing way, but the movie is really good. It's dark. It's satirical. It's about all of these rich assholes buying a ticket to go to this island restaurant, and it's all about what's on the menu, and it is so dark, so absurd. Uh, yeah, it, it's got like some horror movie vibes a little bit, like Midsummer. if anybody's ever seen that. Okay. Less, less intense. Yeah, I've it's seen like that more one. dark. It's more like dark and satirical, kind of like a Jordan Peele movie might be. Yeah, yeah, Kind yeah. of like Get Out or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, God, it was so good. So, anyway. What's, Nobody in chat seen when, it. When, when anyone mentions Key and Peele, what's the first skit your brain goes to? My brother. <laughs> when, when he's Obama and he's going around to all the white people and he's like, pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he gets to the other guy. It's just like, "What up, brother? Hey, get it!" Uh, well, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, mine is the the Family Matters skit with uh, with Carl <laughs> and Urkel. That's, that one's yeah, mine. That's a good one. That one's mine. You know, I just saw another one too, where it's um, it's. I, it's kind of like Inglorious Bastards, but it's the dad from the the Modern Family is the Colonel Hans Landa figure, uh -huh. and you know, and he's going around and <laughs> he's looking for black people, and Key and Peel are doing whiteface. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. It is so funny. Uh, whoever whoever the actor is that plays Phil from Modern Family, yeah, he plays like you know. Oh gosh, speaking of uh, that one, there's also the auction block where Key and Peel are on the auction block. And yes. and they're like, I ain't getting sold today. <laughs> and and then they're like the last ones there and they're like, Well, obviously you got a bid for that guy. I mean. <laughs> uh, they start God. puffing out their chest trying to get more money. <laughs> they're so it's funny. Good. Uh, yeah, here we go. John Jay's seen it. He's like, can I get a double cheeseburger with fries? Great ending to the movie. Great ending. Uh, anyway, let's go ahead and move this show along. Uh, the FCC would like to know 
from all of the broadband providers in the country that we've given billions upon billions of dollars to build infrastructure and lay fiber and and subsidize and, and everything else. And assuming that the internet is a vital piece of telecommunications, why are data caps still a thing? Why indeed, Jeffrey? Because it doesn't cost money once you have the infrastructure. Mm. It costs zero money to sling bandwidth. Or, sorry, it, it costs an infinitesimal amount of money to actually sling data once you have the switching infrastructure in place. So why are data caps still a thing? The FCC not only wants to know from broadband providers why data capture is still a thing, but is also requesting stories and information from impacted customers. This is your chance to give the FCC comments on how data caps have negatively affected your daily lives. Uh, and this time, there's a really good chance that the botnets won't be out in force to uh, to say that net neutrality has totally hampered their business. And, and yeah. you know, if it weren't for those darn, you know, net neutrality seeking FCC commissioners and vaccines and 5Gs, you know, we'd all be living in freedom right now uh, using your dead grandparents' accounts. <sighs> well... Let's go to the expert. Here in studio, we have Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon, why do we have data caps? Go ahead, Jeff. Do your impression. <laughs> that was pretty good. You held it just like he does in that mm -hmm. gift, too. Uh, that's my impression of someone who's never done a drag before. <laughs> Not specifically Elon Musk. You know what's so funny is I watched that when that happened. I watched it live, and he gets so high. <laughs> he gets so high. And he's just The like bro got zero tolerance, let me tell you. He, he was trying to act tough and cool, and honestly, it ended up being one of the dumbest things ever, but... Uh, so he just got so ripped. He could barely talk afterwards. I mean, he held it. He held it together, but... So I, I really don't want to bring up the, the the two personalities who may or may not have been on a podcast in the last week together. Uh, but you already brought up one of them. But apparently Elon Musk was also on the Joe Rogan show again this last week. Oh, uh, God. Right. Uh, where he stated the Cybertruck is literally from the future. And this is the car that Blade Runner would have driven. Um, I wonder if he knows that Blade Runner is the name of the movie uh, in which the, the main plot is that capitalism has run rampant and ruined society and that the character's name is Deckard. <laughs> and that, no, he totally would have, wouldn't have driven the Cybertruck because Deckard's car he flies. He had a flying car. <laughs> uh, Elon also tried to claim that the Cybertruck... I bet you his... That the Cybertruck was was basically like an armored troop transport. I was gonna say, I bet you the flying car could have re reflected more bullets. You know, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Uh, was it Joe Rogan who shot an arrow at the Cybertruck last week? I feel like it was. I feel like they were trying to hype up the Cybertruck, and so they shot an arrow at it and went, Look, it deflects arrows! Great, I'll remember that for my next siege mission. <laughs> it's a Rick and Morty episode. That's gotta be... <laughs> Morty, stay in the Cybertruck. These people only have bows and arrows. We're safe. Oh, jeez, Rick, they're getting awful close. It's okay, Morty. The Cybertruck will keep us safe. Rick, those look like Tommy guns. It, it's got a full 16th inch of aluminum on the edge. Uh, aside from having a really cool name, Tommy guns aren't really ubiquitous for what people shoot out of rifles these days, Morty. I thought Tommy oh, no. guns shot 45 calibers, Rick. It's okay. No, this can't even survive a baseball. I guarantee it'll stop a... a... <laughs> It'll stop an arrow. A 45, a 45 ACP round, M Morty. <laughs> I don't know, Rick. I, I played a lot of video games, and Tommy guns are pretty cool. Yeah, I bet shotguns were also your jam, Morty. <laughs> I've seen you play Counter-Strike. You always buy the Nova. <laughs> oh, jeez, Rick. You spawn camping little fuck, Morty. <laughs> Did you spawn camp, Morty? Did you spawn camp? It's a legitimate uh, strategy, Rick! Oh, God. <laughs> I bet you're always the guy that gives the other enemy team the op, huh, Morty? Come on, Rick. Cut me some slack. What's your KD, Morty? What's your KD? You know what, Rick? Back in our other universe, I was a gold-tier counter-striker. Yeah, but that's well, because the old... gold-tier is basically shit, Morty. That's because the old universe was full of Cronenbergs, Morty. I don't know if you remember that universe, but they were a bunch of praying mantises, and they all died. I just... I also can't get over the fact that this all started from the idea that Joe Rogan might have shot an arrow at a truck. That's so stupid. I love that we can both do spot-on Rick and Morty impressions. Uh, uh, T-Dolt said, did Rhett just replace Justin Roiland? <laughs> yes. Oh we both God. totally should have auditioned for that. We should have. I mean, what's funny is like, you know, I remember listening to this podcast, Justin Roiland was on, and he was talking about his method for how a lot of the episodes were made. And when you go and read the writing credits, this is true. Like he had all four? of the ones that are... And like Intergalactic Cable, for example. It was just him getting drunk and going into the voice booth and just improving. Yeah. And then they would animate whatever he improved. That's how they did that, and and, like, and and they actually allude to that in the script in in the first intergalactic cable where they're watching the commercial and they're like, yeah, it has almost an improvisational tone. Yeah. What's really funny, I think we've talked about this before, but like it's funny the way that Rick and Morty fans hold the humor and the comedy because like the big controversy when they were thinking about getting rid of Justin Roiland was. Mm -hmm. Well, he's one of the main writers. We can't do this. And it's like, if you look at all the episodes he's written, they are, they are, without a doubt, the least funny of the episodes. He, he has writing credits 
in four episodes, and in three of them, they were improv-based episodes. Right. And all of the best and funniest episodes were written by other people. Yeah. And what's really funny to me is that She-Hulk gets a really, really bad rap for being woke and unfunny, but one of the main writers and maybe even the showrunner for She-Hulk is the woman who wrote Pickle Rick, which is held up as the gold standard right. of comedy in Rick and Morty. Funniest shit I've ever seen, Morty. <laughs> he turned himself Morty. into a pickle. <laughs> I will say I really love the therapist played by Susan Sarandon in that episode. It's like, pretty good. It's pretty uh, good. <laughs> I love just the little sideline with like the you know, like Jaguar, let's get him out of the Jaguar. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get him out of the box. You know, he's like my daughter, <laughs> like all that. I don't can't even remember, but it's, I need you to like, kill a pickle. So for deep. It gets so deep so fast. <laughs> Wait, does so that mean I have infinite man. daughter, which by the way is played by Danny Trejo. <laughs> <laughs> but best not to think about it. That, Morty, is why you don't go to therapy. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Wong. By the way, racist name. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway. So, the Cybertruck, absolutely not replacing the truck that Blade Runner drove. No. <laughs> uh, it's so funny how... How, how, how did we get from guy? FCC... <laughs> because I think it's funny that he charges so much for Starlink, which, you know, I get it, but also at the same time, come on. Um, and also there's a huge, isn't there a really strict bandwidth limit on Starlink? So he's It's like, not really strict. It, it's, um, I, I'm not defending Elon Musk in the least in like any of my are. following statements. Let's get the arrow. Um, I do have Starlink. I am a subscriber to Starlink. It is not my primary ISP because it has not proven itself to be reliable enough to be a primary ISP. However, neither has my primary ISP. It's only slightly more reliable than Starlink, and that is Comcast. Um, I have a Starlink connection, and that is because on the off chance that I have a two-hour outage that happens on a Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time when I'm trying to deliver the latest in beer and tech news, um, I need to be able to go live. And I'm hoping that either Comcast or Starlink are able to fulfill those needs. And in fact, within the last year, I've had to switch over to Starlink twice. Uh, so that's two out of 52 episodes. Um, and there was a time that I streamed off of Starlink once as well at my house. That's correct. Yeah, Rhett connected via Starlink when, when uh, it might have been two episodes even. Because uh, that was a Could've whole been. thing. Um, that was a debacle. Yeah. Like Zipply. Yeah. Yeah. Shouldn't fiber be the most reliable? As it turns out, no. Um, it depends on who's running. Depends on who's running. <laughs> um, but uh, I do have a Starlink uh, plan that I do keep. I keep it active. I keep it active for a couple of different reasons. One, I want it for a backup here in case my internet ever goes down. I still need to be able to work, upload videos. I don't want to necessarily drive to Starbucks to do that. And if I ever need to broadcast a live show from wherever, I have the option of doing that. Uh, 
I've I've also within the last year done a live show live from a campground with no Wi-Fi whatsoever. Uh yeah. and that show went off fantastically well. Uh yeah. via my GPD Win 2 laptop and a Starlink connection. So it does have its use. It is expensive, but it's also dramatically cheaper than any other satellite-based ISP that's out there by like a factor of three. And it's oh, yeah. not even that Easily. Close. Easily. Yeah. You, you ever looked at HughesNet? Oh, yeah. Any, anyone ever, ever ever gotten a HughesNet quote before? Anyone ever gotten a business HughesNet quote before? Holy Every word I wanted to say there was a swear. Um, We've already dropped f bombs. I, I dropped one, and and it was. I feel it was in context, so <laughs> it worked. It worked. I don't remember exactly but, what I said, but I know that it was warranted. <laughs> Rick said it, not you. <laughs> That's right. It was is spawn camping. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So anyway, I guess uh, data caps. Why are they a thing? Sounds like there's going to be some questions about this that our dead grandparents hopefully yep. won't be able to answer. Um, yeah, data caps. It's just a just a byproduct of free market capitalism, baby. Uh, we keep paying to have data caps, so we must want data caps, right? Right. Obviously, we do. Let the market decide, baby. Right. That's why we all we pay for them. We want them. Yep. Uh, according to consumer data, uh, consumption has increased exponentially in a little over a decade. And as someone who worked very closely with ISPs and very, very large organizations, I can tell you our data grew exponentially every 12 months. It wasn't even like, oh, it's 2.1x, so that's exponential growth. No, it was like 4x, 6x, 8x year over year data growth. Um, So between 2010 and 2023, the average monthly household data consumption has risen from 9 gigabytes. That's right, 9 gigabytes to 587 gigabytes. Or an increase of 6,422% in 13 years. Woof. That's huge. That's logarithmic in, in you know, yeah. <laughs> increase. Um, that's insane. However, we've also given ISPs 40 billion with a B for infrastructure in that amount of time to for-profit companies who have done nothing but make more profit off of that money and done very little as far as actually investing in their own infrastructure. So well, that's, and that's, it's funny that it kind of ties back into that because like, like we said earlier, it's, I had fiber for a little bit and I would have stayed with them, but the, what, what I was getting for the money was just fiber and absolutely nothing else, which would have been fine if the human if the company aspect of it hadn't screwed me over in such a way that i required a human being on the other side of a phone to solve a a human being that knew what was going on and could solve the problem for me a a human being with full read write access and the ability to create notes and actually listen to you and then could actually make notes within your accounts and and actually give a crap 
it's it's incredible because like literally they just they had created me two accounts essentially is what it boiled down to and i would have stayed but they kept charging me over and over and over for two accounts it's like how does that even make sense anyway i had to file a complaint in order to, to get them to take you had to file an fcc sense. complaint before you got yeah. an official response yeah. I remember and that. I literally, I, I got the only woman who worked for that entire, not the only woman that worked for that entire company, but they're like the only person yeah. who worked for that entire company that knew how the company worked. Everybody else I talked to, they're like, oh, okay, well, I'll just do this for you. And then I would get two bills again the next month. Okay, right. I'll do this for you. I talked to them 18 times. And it's crazy. Anyway, all that to say, we're spending all of this money. And it's like, what are they doing with it? The infrastructure was there. I had fiber. I had uh, symmetrical uh, up and down speeds, which was great, but I had nothing else. I had nothing else. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just uh, too much money for not enough service. <laughs> you know, it's like I had the, the, the utility, but nothing else. Uh, I really hate cable companies and fiber companies and ISPs. That's what I'm trying to say. I yes. hate ISPs. Yes. I agree. So I hate them too. But we let the free market decide, Jeff. Thank God we have it. It's the only way that uh, ISPs can operate. Just... If only we didn't subsidize them with public money and we actually let the free market decide. Yeah, Comcast would disappear. Very Sorry, quick. am I wearing my politics on my sleeve again? Maybe I shouldn't. Not sorry. I, I don't know. We're talking about ISPs. How is this politics, Jeff? How is this politics? Oh, maybe it's that secretly everything is slightly political. Everything's slightly political. And when we give public money to private corporations so they can make more money, uh, in which it's supposed to benefit the public, but doesn't, maybe I should draw objections to that? Oh, no. That's just the free market deciding to use public money in privately funded ways that don't benefit the public, even though that's what it was meant for, and there's no oversight whatsoever. Yeah. Hooray! So suddenly I'm political. Yay! Uh, <laughs> there were a couple of people saying when we were doing the, uh, the Rick and Morty quotes, holy crap, they're not even drunk yet, and this is what we're getting? This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Not even drunk it. I haven't even had any alcohol. He hasn't had any alcohol. I'm on my <laughs> second beer. In... What, 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 what do you mean, Morty? You too good for alcohol, Morty? I'm just saying that maybe we shouldn't give giant corporations $40 billion with no oversight, Rick. Oh, it sounds so common sense when you say like that, Morty. What, do I sound like a madman, Morty? Do I sound like I'm going insane, Morty? I, I, I don't know, Rick. I mean, when you put it like that, a little, maybe, yeah. Tough bananas, Morty. We're going on adventures, Morty, and there's nothing Comcast can do to stop us. Uh, oh, geez, Rick. Uh, Comcast just said that I used 100 gigs in, in two days, and, and they're going to block me for the rest of the month. Oh, geez. I hope you're happy, Morty. We're going to another universe where there's no data caps. We, we, we only get like two or three of these at most. Can, can I... Can I... <laughs> Can I can I still torrent all my shows there, Rick? Of course you can, Morty. In this universe, 
uh, ISPs operate for the, the public good. <laughs> this is a... But but you told me that, for... but you told me there's pros and cons to every universe, Rick. Like, are there giant telepathic spiders and flies and ice cream in this universe, Rick? Of course there is, Morty. But there's no daddy caps. You don't have to go outside and deal with that stuff. Are, are there eleven nine elevens or just ten? <laughs> there's nine nine elevens, Morty, and all of them happen on the same day. Well, well, I mean, did I know anyone? Because because that weighs pretty heavily into my decision making. This is the universe where you didn't get off the plane, Morty. <laughs> Which is why we're able to go there and pick up your life and all the <laughs> shredded pieces that remain of it. Oh, geez, Rick. Does that mean that all of the television is going to have vague, terroristic over-themes? And... Well, does Battlestar Galactica have to do with... No. <laughs> do you remember episode one, Morty, when they had a new machine that looks all the way up your butthole for things that shouldn't go through customs? That's getting on any plane in this universe, Morty. <laughs> That's getting into a public school in this universe, Morty. So you can't even go in a public library without being violated here, Morty. Like I said, it's just best not to go outside. The psychic flies are the least of your problems, Morty. <laughs> For those wondering, this is kind of what we're like off camera. <laughs> oh, jeez, Rick. So you're telling me that there's at least a vague sense of safety in this universe? Oh no, Morty. The cops are on the mob's payroll here. It's every man for himself. In what universe do you think constantly getting a machine shoved up your butt is safe? <laughs> they don't even disinfect it. This is like a universe where COVID never happened, Morty. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> sure there are no school shootings or terrorism but are you really willing to but everyone's got the government's pole up their butt morty it's way up in there Plus, if you're taking somebody's right away to do terrorism, is that even freedom? <laughs> uh. <laughs> what glue are you sniffing today, boys? Best talking heads ever. We had deadlines to keep. We had videos that needed to go out, and we could just do this riff for like two hours sometimes. But by the way, this, this whole this whole thing is not a new thing with us. We would pick a show, and we'd just riff on it for an hour. <laughs> oh my <God>. yes! <laughs> What's the matter, Red? You scared? Now stand back! I gotta practice my stabbing. Ha <laughs> ha! Good news, everybody. We're done with this bit. And moving on to another one. 
<laughs> my professor is awful. <laughs> Bite my glorious golden ass. <laughs> the problem is like Rick and Morty is so iconic, but it's just dumb enough voices that anybody can do it. It really is. It <laughs> really know, is. Like, this isn't the comic voice genius of Billy West we're talking about here. This is dingling Justin Roiland. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was oh, fun. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we need to do? Mm. We need to make Baldur's Gate characters that are Rick and Morty and cosplay <laughs> the entire time. What race would Rick be? I it's uh there's some there's some I guess we could just go human and, and like halfling or something. Yeah. Um, Could be. What class would Rick be? Is he's got to be a wizard, I guess. He'd be a wizard. Because there's no way he's like in the in the divine school, like a cler- like. Imagine Rick pretending to pray to a god to get his powers. Right. Just not possible. Well, no. Hold on. Hold on. There. Uh, if we go like really deep into Rick and Morty talk, uh, we could go. Uh, remember when time was fractured and Rick dove in to save Morty? And Rick yeah. was literally praying, praying to God praying that one sixty fourth of his consciousness would succeed in in uh, in saving him. <laughs> Wait, never mind. F you, God. <laughs> yes, Morty. Because if there if there is a God, it's me. <laughs> yeah, he's all. <laughs> I feel like one sixty fourth of your consciousness sacrifice yourself. Yeah, the last time you were uncertain about something, almost all of us almost died. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> what? And then what class would Morty be? That's the problem. He'd definitely be a halfling, maybe a rogue or a stealth. Yeah. But then he kind of levels up as the show goes on. I mean, I mean, he opens season four by by basically going like like necromancer kind of thing. Remember, he he, yeah. he controlled all those different bots and and whatnot. Like he was totally like a use my my artificial intelligence army for the good of the of the unit kind of kind mm-hmm. of player. I. I I, I think late stage Morty berserker. would be a necromancer. <laughs> Unless somebody's like, he's definitely a berserker barbarian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just uses his rage all the time. <laughs> I don't know, Morty, only one way to get out of this. The vat of acid, Rick. <laughs> yeah, Morty. I want you to say it. I told you, we only get like two or three of these. And you think I'm wasting one on you to teach you a lesson? No, you actually did all those things, Morty. <laughs> Bad of acid, baby. Such a great episode. Great episode. One of the tops. Really is. Yep. I actually went back and watched some of the latest uh, ones that were released to streaming platforms lately. Because, yeah, I've only, I think I've only watched like season through to season four. Yeah. I think, I think I started like season six and I was kind of impressed. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. Season seven's coming out. I'm really curious to see where they go. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I watched a couple episodes in season five. I did watch all of season four. Season four felt, felt very much like 
a lot of other animated adult comedies that have been made over the years. Um, it fell into the Futurama, Family Guy, American Dad, baby, basically anything that's ever been made by uh, uh, what Seth MacFarlane. Mm-hmm. A lot of his shows go through this, where he it's has this massive amount of interest in the first three, four, five seasons of a show. And then he goes, okay, I'm on to my next project. I'm going to continue voicing the characters, but whatever the writers want to do, they have full reign. And they get a bunch of writers in who use the characters as vehicles for the jokes instead of letting the scenario dictate what the characters do within a certain within a certain story. And um, season four was 100% that. Um, It was the the dragon episode. It was the snake episode. The dragon episode was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then you get vat of acid. Then you get vat of acid. And and like... Even, even then, even, I know you, even you within, don't love that one. Even but. with... The, I, I do like the vat of acid. It's not my favorite. It's it's not my <laughs> top five. It's within the top ten. It, it's there. It, it's got honorable mention. But if I'm giving out awards, all my awards are in the first three seasons. Well, and what's even... What's crazy to me is that I didn't really start watching Rick and Morty until season three came out. And I literally kind of went back and watched them all because the season opener of season three was so good. So Shoney's, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I was like, oh, dang, if all of them are like this good, I'll go back. And like, there were some really good episodes in the first two seasons, but it's nowhere near as polished as season three. Like season three is cover to cover gems. Yeah. Every episode is very good. You know, Um, I, I, I... I almost disagree with that because, like, seasons one and two, I mean, they came out of the gate firing. Like, episode yeah. episode two was the dog episode with, with Snowball yeah, and, and, and whatnot. Um, episode three was Anatomy Park. Episode four was M. Night yeah. Shyamalan's with... Uh... They're all good. They're all good. But right. I, but there's a little bit more, like, I don't I, I just mean, like, less polished. Like, because you have, like, some, like, uh, Abra Dolph Linklater will never not be funny. That's a really funny joke. Let me emancipate you from your from your inferior you genes. Inferior genes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like that is hilarious. I have no quarrel but, with you, boy. <laughs> boy. <laughs> but it's also just such a. I don't know, and that's part of the absurd comedy of Rick and Morty to begin with. Yeah, but it's less cohesive. It's just more absurd like almost like the it's not like shock comedy but it's like how absurd can we possibly get it's it's let me put it this way and and what i mean and and it it kind of comes back to what i was saying about the characters within a scenario versus the characters being a vehicle for a joke um it's if you put characters into an absurd scenario are the characters simply there to facilitate a joke or are the characters living through the environment and it's funny as an extension of that? And that's right. what separates, in my opinion, 
the first three seasons of Rick and Morty from the last three seasons of Rick and Morty. It's what separates the first four seasons of Futurama from all of the reboots of Futurama. It's what separates yeah. the first three seasons of Family Guy from everything else that came after the first three seasons of Family Guy. It's not that there, it's not gems later on. You've got the backwards time machine yeah. in Futurama. You've got, uh, you've got some legitimately good episodes of Futurama that have happened way, way late. You've got some legitimately great episodes of Family Guy. The, uh, Stewie and Brian locked in the bank vault. That that's an incredibly great episode. Um, have you watched any of the latest Futurama? I have not watched the Hulu reboot. I have not. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. You've heard different. I've I've heard it's pretty good. I've heard. Um, I I it's pretty good. I I I feel like they didn't miss a beat. You know what I mean? Like they came back yeah. and they're putting out stuff that's just as good as the original run yeah you know and it's not that the original run of futurama didn't have a couple stinkers there was the honking <laughs> right but there's not a lot of other stinkers whereas uh you know they're also putting out a lot more episodes too in, per season so interdimensional drift uh there i mean there there's so many bad episodes that the highs are just as high, but the lows are lower, and the highs are not yeah. as frequent. And that's the problem once you at a certain point and the writers shift and and yeah. the, the writers need to understand you can introduce a, an insane scenario, but you need to walk through the characterization of everyone involved and how would they react within that scenario versus I had this really funny joke in mind. Well, screw it. Amy's in the scene. I'll just have Amy say this joke. That's not an Amy's character yeah. to say that line. And so why is it yeah. there? And and a lot of animated series suffer from this this same thing. Did uh did you get a chance did you see when uh, Dan Harmon came out with uh, that big interview a couple weeks ago that kind of went into some of the Justin Roiland stuff? I did. It was a it was a really good interview I thought. If anybody hasn't read it yet, like Yeah. It's a, it's pretty lengthy. It touches on like the conception of Rick and Morty and carrying it into the future mm -hmm. and the the stuff with Justin Roiland from like an alternate perspective. Um he I mean he doesn't go and he doesn't like air their dirty laundry or whatever, but like right. he uh <laughs> he kind of gives more perspective on it, you know, yeah. from kind of that personal professional sort of viewpoint yeah. uh really good interview i can't remember what outlet it's in but if you google it i'm sure you'd find it yeah it the whole history of rick and morty has been really interesting to follow uh between and i and i know we have a couple more stories to get to but uh yeah we'll get to those momentarily um uh with with justin Roiland and dan Harmon because dan Harmon in the first couple of seasons of rick and morty he was under a lot of scrutiny uh, yeah. for uh, some supposed racist and misogynistic jokes that he told in like the early 2010s and yeah. when he was doing stand-up comedy. And my whole and reaction... later too, he got, he, he got under the microscope again when he kind of got Me Too'd from his time during Community mm -hmm. um, and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, he definitely wasn't controversy-free. Right, right. Um, my reaction to a lot of the jokes that he told um, is the same reaction that I have to a lot of comedians, a lot of stand-up comedians. Uh, specifically, if you want to go into like 
comedians who probably regret some of the jokes that they told. Bo Burnham. Mm-hmm. With a lot of a lot of Nazi-related jokes, a lot of misogynistic jokes, a lot of things around that, where homophobic a lot jokes. of homophobic jokes, uh, and and even though they were self-deprecating, even though a lot of the homophobic jokes and and f f slurs and whatnot were aimed pointing at him internally um, because he had been called things. Um, I, I guess the very first YouTube comment Bo Burnham ever received was "Go go gadget." Yeah. F a, like that was the first it. YouTube the, comment. The rhyming scheme was there, right? Um, <laughs> which credit to the commenter, that's very creative. <laughs> but but like, it's also incredibly you... hateful and 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 whatnot. Um, but Bo Burnham also, you know, told a lot of those jokes himself, and he actually within his his inside special. Goes mm-hmm. back to say, like, I have a lot of skeletons in my closet. I have a lot of jokes that I regret telling and a lot of, like, oh, crap, are they going to start digging through my joke history? And he kind of aired all that dirty laundry within that special itself to a very friendly audience at the time. Um, mm-hmm. But if you go back and watch some of Bo's earlier stand-up routines, uh, you know, his 2010 and whatnot, there's a lot of stuff that is like, hmm. Like, I, I get that he's 19, and I get that he's going for shock humor, and he definitely did shock humor, but name another comedian who could survive that and then thrive above it. And, mm-hmm. and the same, I had the same kind of reaction with Dan Harmon, where yeah. comedian known for offensive comedy routines delivered an offensive comedy routine 10 years ago. And I went, yeah? And? Yeah. Like, that's the reason he's successful, is is he says offensive and obnoxious and, and divisive things. And and comedy is, is one vehicle where you're allowed to do that. It really is. Well, I would take it a step further, and Bo Burnham applies to this too. I th- the reason they're successful is because they're very smart people. Yeah. And they know how to be offensive and divisive and transgressive. Yeah. Uh, while being smart yeah and delivering it intelligently yeah but then they also knew like they also know like that was a big takeaway for me in that dan Harmon interview is just like how much he's trying to grow as a person constantly and even like that whole me too thing you know which i kind of mentioned it's like name somebody that ever really survived being so uh roundly identified as like a sexual harassment person in hollywood Mm -hmm. like he just came out and and owned it and basically like according to everybody that's that's close to is like delivered a master class in apologizing right not a master class in how to get out of trouble a master class in how to own up to your shortcomings right and like yeah try to actually yeah yeah and try to actually truly apologize and Mm -hmm. show remorse and uh and that's the thing that's the big takeaway burnham shows remorse uh, he shows remorse. They're smart people who it was of the times, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to say that it's like, it was of the times, but as times change, they realize that maybe this isn't what was appropriate it, or whatever. It, in 2010, a lot of the jokes that Bo Burnham and Dan Harmon were both delivering were kind of socially acceptable. 
And yeah. and you also have to they take were, it. They were edgy, but they were edgy, but you have to take it in the context of that day. And and that's why we also have to take art in respect to the day that it was created. Um, assuming that the comedians themselves didn't actually believe anti-Semitic or anti-woman or anti-minority tropes that that they were delivering, you know, you can still make light of a situation that you disagree with. Um, yeah. And see, and I like what Aaron Kahn said in the comments, you know, the whole point of it is to explore boundaries. Regret happens. And I think that's the key thing is like regret happens and it's okay to be regretful. Mm-hmm. Where you see comics flailing a little bit is when they refuse to express regret, when they refuse yeah. to show the flip side of it, regardless of what you think about them or not, like regardless of what you think about the jokes or not, the ones that seem to get in the most hot water are the ones that are the most out of touch, I think, with themselves. It's like, it's okay to regret a joke and be like, yeah, I told it and it's going to stay up there for all time. Yeah. Probably, you know, probably not the best moment I had or whatever, but at the mm-hmm. time it felt like really good writing, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> like, um, and I think people people would appreciate that more than just doubling down and doing a whole special on jokes that aren't don't really play well anymore. Right. <laughs> you know? um, uh, Steve Hofstetter does this very well. I mean, Steve Hofstetter is probably best known for his his anti heckle uh, comments yeah. and and things like that. And but he's gotten on there and he's posted these videos and he goes, "I'm going to tell you, this is as pissed off as I've ever been on stage, and I didn't handle this well, but I wanted to play this clip." in full because I feel what I feel my reaction was inappropriate but I also feel it was warranted given what was said from a heckler and and I I, I want to let them have the moment rather than my reaction have the moment and 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 so he'll go you know in the future I'll handle that one a little better and he's shown that he does sometimes because he'll receive a, a same or similar heckle or, or something like that and he'll completely misdirect it and this time you know be very very funny instead of literally threatening people to fight in the parking lot which he's done before um, <laughs> and, it, and it shows growth as as not only a performer but as a person uh, and so this is all to say uh there's a difference between making jokes as a performer and physical and mental conflicts with people within a trust circle. Mm-hmm. Like that there there's a difference between getting up on stage and telling jokes and telling offensive jokes and even telling jokes that you regret or telling jokes that were funny at the time, but you know, modern social constructs say probably shouldn't have told those jokes, a la Dan Harmon, a la Bo Burnham. Um, and I don't know, potentially abusing a spouse and your child. Like, like there's a, there's a pretty clear line there and I hope everyone gets that. Yeah. So comedy, how does it work? (laughs) (laughs) There it is, that funny feeling. (laughs) All right. A couple of quick notes here. Um, So Octoprint. uh, I know it. I love it. I've used it so many times. Uh, Gina, pretty much the sole creator of Octoprint, has said, I don't know if you know this, but there's a way to support Octoprint because it's just me developing it. 
Um, this is a tool that is used by so many in the community. I've used Octoprint in the past. I still have Octoprint on, on my main 3D printer. And in fact, I want to run it for both of my 3D printers. Um, Octoprint is a tool that is developed by Gina. By one person. Um, and it has been her sole job since 2016 has been the developer of Octoprint. However, it is 100% community-funded, community-supported. Um, and as as a creator, as a content creator, kind of get this, it feels weird to, like, pimp yourself out. It feels so weird to ask for support all the time, which is why whenever I offer support, it's like, hey, I need your support, so go buy a pint glass so you get something cool. Or, hey, I need your support, so go join the Patreon so you can, like, ask me questions in the Discord. It, it's to make sure that you get something out of this transaction as well. If you're using Octoprint, you should be supporting Gina. Give her a dollar a month. Like, like, like... You can you can afford a dollar a month. I don't care who you are. If you have a 3D printer, you can afford a dollar a month. Go join Gina. Go make sure that she is supported. Go make sure that this incredible project continues to see the light of day. Uh, so October 26th, she posted this blog post about how... I don't know if you know this, but I'm just one person and Octoprint is my baby and I want to continue developing it. And I've developed it for almost six years now and everyone uses it and everyone loves it. But... I've been seeing less and less monetary support for it, and it's my primary job. And if you guys want to keep it my primary job, I kind of need some money for it. And luckily, the community outpouring has been massive in the last five or six days. Um, but that's not to say it can't still get better. So if you have a 3D printer, if you are at all interested in community-developed projects and open-source projects... Go give Gina and Octoprint some love. Uh, link of the, is in the description to her blog post, as well as where you can subscribe, donate, join, whatever the case may be. Uh, it's an incredible tool. We all use it. Um, the least you could do is make sure it continues to be developed by enthusiastic people like Gina. So here, here. That is my 100% unsponsored, unprompted. Uh, we should really stand by the people who make our lives easier, especially as makers and fellow content creators. So go give her some love. Uh, Microsoft has issued a system level ban for unauthorized uh, Xbox accessories. Oh, yeah. Boo. What the crap, Microsoft? So stupid. This is bullshit, Morty. I just wanted to use a Mad Cat's controller on my Xbox and now I'm banned. Uh, oh, jeez, Rick, maybe you should just fork it over for first-party peripherals. I have an Xbox Elite controller, Morty. That doesn't mean I'm going to let you use one. Jeez, Rick. What? It, it, you suck. No, you suck. That's why you only have the Mad Cats controller, Morty. But it has a turbo. Which is technically now owned by Logitech, and maybe that's part and parcel to the argument that we're having here today, Morty, is it has maybe Microsoft's threatened by Logitech and their speaker controllers. It's not anything to do with the problems of the free market, Rick. Uh, here we are again. This is what we do. <laughs> um, so yeah, Microsoft has begun warning Xbox users that unauthorized accessories will no longer work on the company's consoles. Full stop. Uh, if you have any devices that you plug into an Xbox and they're not certified Xbox, made for Xbox with Xbox certified cables and accessories and 
dongles and uh, you might get an error. Uh, and that error will say using unauthorized accessories compromises your gaming experience and refers to Microsoft's list of officially supported accessories. This My is such, is... such BS. Yeah, uh, Liam in Wales is saying it's to block cheats, but my favorite, like my favorite thing about that is as though like cheating hasn't always been a central part of gaming culture. <laughs> you know, like who cares if people cheat? Oh, if they cheat online, it's like okay, there's other ways to block that, isn't there? Right? Like, I beta tested Diablo two and complained to Blizzard about cheaters. Let that sink in. You're not going to whole stop them. You're not going to completely scrub them out. And I get for some circles, professional gaming circuits, you know, you got any professional COD players in the audience? Who knows? Maybe. Uh, Where you can only use approved and authorized devices. Sure. But banning someone because they didn't buy your controller is bullshit. Not only that, like, Microsoft's... Like, Xbox controllers are not cheap. You know what I mean? It's like, the reason that I've always bought off-brand stuff is because it's cheaper. You know, and I guess there's stuff that's way more expensive, obviously. Like, if you're going with the, uh, yeah, like the 8-bit do or whatever. Or the Oh, there you go. Yeah, you got the regular... Oh, the the Elite Pro. This is the Elite Pro. Yeah. Like, no. The this is a $160 controller. Okay. Yeah. 8-Bit Doe can crank one of those out with better quality and actual Hall Effect sensors for like 70 bucks. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, you're just paying for the name at that point. Don't tell me tax. it's about cheating. Own up and tell me what it's about. You want all the like, money, oh. not just most of the money. And you're like, dang, this feels premium. And then you take it apart and there's freaking weights inside of it. It's like, okay, Microsoft. Yep. You could have saved yourself 25 cents and left the weights out. <laughs> yep. So, screw Microsoft. Yep. Uh, in the news that I really, really, really wanted to get to, and Rhett, I know you have a heart out at 8 o'clock, but screw you, I'm talking Let's about hear the story. It. Let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. Perfect Dark, the decompilation is complete. Yeah. You can play Perfect Dark on PC in any resolution at 60 frames per second, and it's oh, this is freaking great. amazing. This is great. Um, You know what my favorite thing about this game was? <clears throat> was... Uh, the sheer amount of stats that it kept track of. Like, and it had persistent stats to your profile. So when you would play multiplayer and go crazy for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, you could keep track of how many bullets fired, how how far have you walked, how your hit percentage, the amount of health you've taken, the amount of health you've damage you've dealt, like just so many things. Like I never even played the campaign who cares about the campaign this was this was goldeneye multiplayer on steroids with better guns better maps i mean 
I don't know. Maybe people really like the campaign, but by the time I got to like the aliens and stuff happening, I just never cared. The campaign's um, pretty great. The multiplayer is a better experience overall. Um, but this is the PC port that I'm playing for you right now. It looks very well done. It is so good. One thing I want to point out about this particular PC port is it is not um, is is the things that they got right with this one. Um, so I've I've got a number of different N sixty four PC ports. I've got Mario sixty four. I've got Ocarina of Time. Um, Goldeneye. Uh, I don't think Goldeneye's been fully decompiled yet. Oh, I thought I remember you playing it one time, but maybe not. Uh, I might oh, wait, that was on, that was emulating it. Yeah, yeah never mind. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so, one really cool thing about this particular port, let me, uh, let me pull up the actual GitHub page here, <coughs> is the way that they did the port. So, if you want, you can go to their GitHub page, and you can download the compiler, and you can feed it a ROM, one of like four different ROMs. Uh, there's NTSC Final version 1.1, 1.0. There's the Japanese Final and the PAL Final. You can feed it one of those four ROM files and extract all the assets, basically uh, decompress all the assets out of the Z64 ROM file. Um... And then you can feed all those assets into a root folder for the compiler where it can read all of those and it can pump you out an executable based on all those. That's a portable, you know, just run whatever. You've got perfect dark. Um, the cool thing that they're doing is you can compile your own perfect dark export if you want, or you can simply download the latest automatic build, which is their decompilation executable by itself with none of the perfect dark assets or code, you can provide the ROM and then this essentially will just read the ROM and decompress it on the fly. Mm. Uh, so there's no need to compile your own version of this executable, which is incredible. Uh, this is one of the first decompilations from console to PC that I've seen this used as or that I've seen this this kind of, of use. Um, where here's the executable, give it the ROM, and you can now play Perfect Dark in whatever resolution and frame rate that you want. And it's amazing. So, if you like Perfect Dark, if you're a fan like I am, links in the description. You can download the automatic build for either Windows or Linux. Feed it your perfect dark ROM, which I'm sure you 100% legally obtained. Uh, and uh, start playing perfect dark. In I verified that ultra wide has worked. I verified that 4K has worked. Uh, the mouse control, oh. you need to disable auto aim. Otherwise, it'll take control of your mouse and move your cursor to places that you yeah. didn't expect it to be. But once you disable auto aim, it's awesome. I wonder if we can get some like USB cheap knockoff N64 controllers and do some like local uh, multiplayer. Uh, I have a couple. You do? That's right. I have the brawler controllers. 
Oh yeah, it keeps happening. Maybe we'll do a little Perfect Dark at uh, at PDX yeah, that'd as be well. Fun. I'd be down for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shoot! Wow, that's great. I'm glad that we got to this news. I kind of forgot we had gaming news at the end. Yes. Yeah. No it it's been a it's been a big day in gaming. I mean, the Microsoft thing pissed me off, but the Perfect Dark thing kind of Ugh. put me right back into the spirit of of why we play yeah. games because this is awesome. Anyway, this has been episode 308 of Talking Heads here on Craft Computing. Join us every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news. Uh, head on over to craftcomputing.store. Get yourself a pint glass, either from Hops and Brews or myself, uh, fully nucleated, which means your beer will stay fresh no matter how long you're drinking it. Uh, it'll level up your drinking experience and you can start drinking like a pro. We've also got coasters that look like floppy disks and flasks that say in case of dns basically if you work in it you're gonna connect <laughs> with something that i have on my site uh you can also join the patreon minimum donation of one dollar a month gets you exclusive access to the discord server where you can chat with myself john Rhett, steve all the hosts from talking heads and join the awesome community that hangs out over there uh and you can also join the after party which starts in oh about eight or nine minutes from now. Perfect. And um, yeah, guys, uh, one thing is I'm going to be doing my first live stream uh, for my Dungeons and Dragons podcast tomorrow night, November 2nd at 7 p.m. Pacific time. We'd love it if you wanted to come and hang out and check it out and wish us luck on our maiden voyage if Dungeons and Dragons is not your thing. Totally understandable. But uh, we'll be on Twitch. Uh, I was going to try and simultaneously stream to YouTube, but we'll see. I got... Uh, I got the stream professor's videos locked and loaded to help me out with that. So we'll see. But otherwise we're at twitchtv.com slash. He did just come out with some multi-stream, sorry, simulcast tutorials. It's exactly what I was just looking at today. Thank you, Adam. (laughs) So, uh, but anyway, check that out. Twitch.tv slash in at the end and, uh, or go to dndpodcast.org and uh, we should have some links on there too. How did you get dndpodcast.org? You miss all the shots you don't take, baby. Good God. <laughs> talk talk about a TLD. <laughs> I've been waiting for dndpodcast.com to come open for a long time, and it just won't. And it's like not even – I don't even really think it's in use by anything useful. I think – I mean, it is yeah. in use, but not like – you know, anyway, whatever. But yeah, yeah. dndpodcast.org, baby. <laughs> nice. Anyway. Thank you all so much for watching. This has been episode 308 of Talking Heads. I'm Jeff. He's Rhett. Uh, I did it for you. Jeez, Morty. I'm I'm sorry, Rick. (laughs) We'll catch you in the secret after party. Yep. Uh, And hopefully next week we'll be playing Baldur's Gate. Maybe as Rick and Morty. We'll see.